Basketball season is, uh, is, is coming to a close, and, and one of my favorite times of year is, is the NCAA tournament. Um, unfortunately, you know, Alabama didn't make it in, but that's okay. I still like to watch, still like to uh, get into the games, because it's the one thing in all of sports that's just fun to see who's in. It's just fun to see what's going to happen, because it's 64 teams. A lot of them don't, you've never even heard of, and they get into it, and it's just a crazy, crazy thing. But there's, there's one kind of like concept that kind of rules this whole thing. Do, do they just like give them a championship? Like do they just say, hey, you know, I think that's the best team and we're going we're gonna to give it to them. They don't really do that, right? No, like, I mean, these teams have worked hard all season, right? All year long, they've been, they've been working, they've been striving, they've been working hard, they've been doing more, and getting to a point where they made it into the tournament, like that's a huge deal, and then from there, they still have to win, you know, six straight games, and so they have to work hard, they have to practice hard, and they have to really work hard if they want to accomplish their ultimate goal, which is what? Hello? Winning a What? National championship, that's right, yeah. And they, and they work hard to try to get to that point. And so nobody's going to give it to them. It's not just going to be like, hey, here, we're, we thought you, looked, had, you guys had the coolest jerseys, so we're going to give it to you, right? I mean, it wasn't like that. It wasn't even the complete opposite. It was like, oh, we really feel bad for you guys, so we're going to give it to you. No, teams had to work hard to get to the ultimate goal. It's just like in football. It's just like in any other sport, really, that God... Uh, that, that, that they work hard and get to a certain point, and that things with God are kind of the same way. We have this mindset, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, especially those that have grown up in church like myself, we have this mindset where we feel like we do more, we try hard, and we work at a goal in, in, in accomplishing our salvation, right? And we know, we know, we know, it's okay, we know, that's what the Bible says, right? We know that it's a gift, and we know that we, you know, we say a prayer, we do things, and we accept it, and yeah, all that. But then we have to work hard at it, right? There's this kind of like just dichotomy where we know we have to we have to work hard at, it, we have to uh, pursue it, and we have to accomplish something, right? And so it's kind of the same thing. Like we feel like in order to connect to the ultimate prize, in order to get to where we want to be, we got to do more. We got to try harder. We've got to get to the next level, right? And, and we kind of strive and we work at it and we try to get to this point. Well, I say myself included because for me, I want to share a little bit of my story tonight. And my story is my story. It's, it's one that God has given to me. It's, it's a testimony of how I came to know the Lord. And it's something that I've shared in bits and pieces with you guys, but I've never really shared in its entirety. And so I want to take tonight as an opportunity to kind of parallel uh, my testimony, my story, uh, with tonight's message. And so I hope that you'll be sensitive to what God's done in my life, and I hope that you'll, uh, you'll pay attention and you'll hear what God has done in my life and, and, and how it started out. And so uh, if you guys want to throw that up, that slide, tonight it's all about my story, and, and you can see how it comes to something else. And so we're going to look at that. But I started out, I was very similar to like a lot of you guys. I grew up in the church. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to have a great set of godly parents that loved me. Man, they gave me everything I'd, 
everything I needed, not necessarily everything I wanted, but everything I needed, and some things that I wanted. And, and man, they, they loved me. They provided for me. They gave me um, they, the, the things that I needed to get to the next stages in life as I kind of started to grow up and, and, and went from crawling to walking to you know, eventually going to school. And just all through the stages, they continually put me in position to have success, continually put me in position um, to, 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 you know, grow and, and, and mature wisely. And so uh, and one of the ways they did that was they always, from the time that I can earliest remember, we've always been in church, okay? My parents, they weren't saved as, you know, they weren't necessarily like grown up in the church, but they, by the time I came along, they, they had already had their salvation. They knew what was right. And so we were in church uh, from a very early age. And, uh, and when we moved to Ottawa, to which is right down the road, um, that, that was my earliest memories, man. I can remember going to church uh, with my best friend, and, and we would do our thing, and, and, uh, and so that was, that was the deal. Like, I just always knew this, this concept of church. I just always knew of this, this thing that we went to each week, and, and that we got to have animal crackers and, you know, all this kind of stuff, and talk about Jesus and use goldfishes as analogies, like all this kind of stuff. You know what I'm talking about. Like, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and so God, God put me in a good position. Like I was in a great home that loved the Lord that was going to put me in front of godly influences. And so I, I began to grow up in nurturing the Lord. And so, you know, when I got to, a, you know, sound age, you know, around 19 years old, I was like, listen, okay, I get this whole Jesus thing and I get this whole church thing. How does it work together? And so I started to ask questions and I started to kind of wonder, and I, and I probably really wasn't mature enough at that point to really make that decision, but you know, I've, I, I kept wondering, kept asking questions, and I came to the conclusion that, hey, I want to do that. Like, I want to be about Jesus. And so I made that decision, and I got baptized, and I began to uh, kind of, nothing really changed, really changed that dramatically right away. But over the years, God has kind of slowly changed my life and allowed me to kind of see, hey, this is, this is what I need to do. This is how I need to act. This is not how I need to act. You know, this is, this is kind of the way I should go. And so it didn't take long, though, for me to kind of develop this philosophy. And I think that you and I both do this. Like, we all kind of do this. We kind of develop this philosophy, those that have been in church a while or maybe saved at an early age. We kind of develop this philosophy that we need to, like, we need to do more. Like, we need to, we need to read our Bible more. We need to have a, have a longer devotion. We need to, need to pray more. We need to, need to have a checklist on Sundays, and we need to check that off. We need to go to church more. Man, we need to be involved in more events. We need to do all this kind of stuff, and we kind of, we, and the church kind of facilitates this in a way, and so we kind of continually grow up with this philosophy that we need to do more. We need to accomplish more. And so just, just as much as the world says that, or even the church kind of says that, and so as we grow up and mature, uh, in, in, in our spiritual walk, we kind of think, okay, well, we need to still do more. Like, there's still some things that, that I want to do that I, that I need to do, and I need to do more. And so I begin to do more and try harder. And so as I began into high school, I knew that at that point, when I was young in high school, I knew that God had called me into ministry. At a very young age, I knew that God had called me into ministry. I knew I was going to be in full-time vocational ministry. I had no idea what that looked like, uh, and, and, but yet I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And so I, you know, I, I began to put myself in position. I taught Bible studies, and I, you know, when I first went off to school, like, that's what I wanted to do. I, I, I put back into student ministry. I became an intern. Like, I did all these things, right? And I began to try harder and to do more, to try harder and to do more, and tried harder and tried to do more. It became about 
me. It's kind of this whole idea of self-salvation. And that may be a foreign concept to you, but you know, we have salvation in Christ. And so I begin to strive, and I begin to do things, and I kind of started, the more and more that I started trying to do things, God kind of slowly drifted by, and slowly out of the picture. And it became more about me, and what I wanted to do, and how I could better accomplish this God thing, than it really was about Jesus. And so, it became a self-salvation. I began to work hard, and I began to, you know, do this thing, and it became all about me. I want to break my story just for a second. Take your Bible and look in Luke. Luke chapter 10. And here's where it connects. Because I grew up with this idea and this philosophy of trying to do more and trying to work harder. And I've developed what I like to call the Martha Syndrome. The Martha Syndrome. We're going to look at that. Look in Luke 10, starting in verse 38. The Bible says this. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha, there's Martha, welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Remember that. She sat at the Lord's feet and listened to her teaching, to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Kind of sound familiar what I was talking about? Martha was distracted by much serving. Like, well, if you're going to be distracted, that's a pretty good thing to be distracted by, right? Let's keep reading. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Kind of sounds like us sometimes. Like, well, God, I'm, I'm the one showing up every week. I'm the one, like, you know, checking off the, the to-do list and, you know, reading my Bible every day and all this kind of stuff, and they're, yeah, they don't look quite the part, and yet they're getting more opportunity. What's up with that? Like, you know, that's kind of where we come in, right? And she says, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I'm doing this all by myself, and she's just over there sitting down. I mean, here, we're talking about the Lord. They, I mean, they're not dumb. They know who Jesus is at this point, and they're like, you know, she's sitting there, and she's not really doing anything, and I'm trying to serve you, Lord. Keep reading. He says, tell her then to help me. I love this response. He says, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. It's like that, I don't know if you guys are too young to remember, but um, the Brady Bunch, there's a, a television show, and they would always say, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. And it's kind of like that. It's like, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Okay. Jesus calls her out, and he says, listen, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Check this out in verse 42. It says, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Only one. Martha has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. What did, what did Mary choose to do? Listen to Jesus, right? What was she doing? She was, she was doing something. She was sitting, sitting, right? Sitting, yeah. There you go. You guys, you guys with me? All right. It says, you're troubled and anxious about things, and it says, but only one thing is necessary. Jesus says, only one thing is necessary. And he references Mary. And what is Mary doing? 
She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's listening. She's listening. Jesus says, only one thing is necessary. Mary and Martha are, are two sisters, and from the story, we see that they're really two completely different perspectives. All right? They kind of have two completely different perspectives. Because you have Martha, who's what? This is where you come in. Huh? Serving, right? She's up and she's what? Doing things, right? She's trying to do things. She's trying to serve. She's trying to do the right thing. Jesus is at her house. Hello. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to go, like, get him a glass of tea. I'm going to go make sure the pillow's nice beside him, right? I'm going to get him a blanket if he needs it. I'm going to go, like, you know, and, and, and that's how we do, right? Like, if Jesus were to walk in the door, I'm not, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I'm not going to be the one sitting at his feet just waiting. I'm going to be like, dude, you need anything? Can I go get you some Wendy's? Uh, is there something I can do for you? you? Would you like some water? Like, I mean, I know that you turn water into wine and all that, but, I mean, that's all we got here. And, like, so, like, uh, uh, that's, that's what I would do. Like, just being honest. And that's my story. All too often, I, I did that. I do that. Like, that's my tem- greatest temptation is to try to do more and make it about me. And that's what Martha did. She tr- tried, man. She tried hard. She tried over and over and over, and, and she tried to serve. And, I mean, I, don't, I can't blame her, but Jesus said only one thing is necessary. And then you have Mary, who did what? She just sat at the feet of Jesus. I'd be like... Come on, Mike, get up, all right? You got to, like, Jesus walked in the room, man. Like, come on, help me out. No, that's not what Mary did. She just sat at the feet of Jesus. She just sat at the feet of Jesus. Two sisters and two completely different perspectives. It became all about Martha, right? And that's why I say we developed this Martha syndrome. When we make it about us, when we try to do more, when we try too hard, when we try to check the boxes off because we know that our Sunday school teacher is going to ask us at the end of the week, hey, did you read your verses? And we're like, uh, yeah, we're good. And like, that's, that's where we're at. And we, we, we're, we make it all about us. And Martha made it all about her. And Mary just sat at the feet of Jesus. I love that. Mary just sat at the feet of Jesus. One, one quote that I heard recently that I think is all too powerful for this passage of Scripture uh, said, don't just do something, sit there. Don't just do something, sit there. And I think with Jesus that directly applies because he's not asking you to get up and do something. He's saying, hey, man, just, just sit here. One thing is necessary. Just sit. Just sit. The more I focus on what I need to do, the less I focus on what he has done. You with me? The more I focus on what Brian wants to do and what Brian needs to do to get, look good or to look better or to make Jesus, you know, quote unquote, look better when it's really all about me, the one thing that if, if I keep trying to do these things, like I forget about what Jesus has already done. It's like what we talked about last week in Ephesians 2, right? That, that God took us, we were by nature children of wrath. Like we were by nature like the complete opposite of good and holy. But God reached in and rescued us 
right? It's the same thing. Like we, 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 when we focus on what we want and what we try to do and try to do more and accomplish more, we forget about what Jesus already did, what Jesus has already done. When we stop focusing on what we need to get better, then, then we actually get better. And I'll, co- I'll come back to that. But when we stop focusing on what we need to get better, then, then we get better. And I'll, I'll kind of hash that out in a second. We're not right. We can't, we can't do this on our own. We can't make things better on our own. One of my favorite quotes, and, and again, I think, it, I think it's, it's perfect right here. It says, cheer up. You're worse off than you thought you are. And that's us. We're so full of sin. We were by nature children of wrath. Cheer up, man. You're worse off than you thought you are. You can't do it. As much as you think you can do it, as much as you want to do it, as much as you want to do more, try harder. He's saying, cheer up, man. You're worse off than you thought you are. You can't do anything. There's nothing that you can accomplish on your own. But I got it for you right here. Turn over to Acts 13. Acts 13, 38. I got it for you right here. It says, let it be known to you, therefore. And listen, I just want you to listen to these words because I came across this today, and I'm telling you, it, it, changed, it changed my entire day. Okay? I came across this today, it changed my entire day. Listen to this. It said, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, who's this man? Jesus, that's right. Jesus. Make it all about Jesus. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, right? We're wretched. We're by nature children of wrath. We're messed up. We got a lot of stuff going on that can't be fixed. We have no idea, no way to make it better, right? And by nature, Jesus comes in and says, through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Check this out. And by him, Everyone who believes is what? Free. Free. Look at the screen. By him, everyone who believes is freed. Man, if that doesn't like shake you up, come on now, wake up. It says, by Jesus, everyone who believes is what? Freed, man, you are freed. You waked up now? Like, does it take me on it? Like, you are freed. You have been freed. It says, by Jesus, everyone who believes is freed from what? Everything. Everything. You have been freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. You have been freed. You literally did nothing, and Jesus frees you from everything. Your best attempt on the best day can't be enough. You, are you with me? Like middle school mindset? Like I know that you're, you, you think you're here, but listen, your mind's up here. Like you can get this. You're with me. I know you are right now. And guess what? You're not good enough. Brian's not good enough. My best effort on my best day, I cannot be good enough to do it. I cannot 
make it better. I can't do anything to accomplish anything on my own. I'm just as worthless as you are. But guess what? What does the verse say? It says, Jesus, man, he came in and he freed you so that you can have everything. You couldn't do anything, but yet God gave you everything. There's nothing you can do. You have nothing you can do. So what are you going to do? You like that? You have nothing you can do. So now what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, I said earlier how... um, when we stop focusing on our need to get better, then we actually get better. That's what I'm talking about. So what are you going to do now that you don't have anything to do with it? Like, what are you going to do? If you can't do anything, what are you going to do? Listen to this statement. Being able to go forward in your faith means going backwards. Being able to go forward in your faith means going backwards. You can't do anything to better yourself, and when you stop focusing on making it better, then you'll actually get better. Why? How? That's the beauty of the gospel, man. That's the beauty of Jesus. We don't know, have to know how. <laughs> Jesus has literally given you everything. Like, like we talked about last week, you know, even the faith that it takes to believe in him that, I mean, he accomplished everything, right? And you, you, none of your good works are good enough, right? We, we talked about that, and now we're kind of rehashing it. And, and there's nothing you can do. And yet, he says that even the faith, the, like the, the, the thing that like, you think you do, like <laughs> even the smallest thing that you think you can do, even the faith, I've already given it to you. That's what he says. He says, I already gave it to you. You have nothing to do with your own salvation. You have nothing to do with it. And yet Jesus says, you can have everything now because I gave it to you. And so if you want to get better, if you want to, if you want to focus on getting better, you're missing the point. But if you stop focusing on how you can make yourself better, then you'll get better. Jesus will make you better. Listen, I know that some of this stuff is crazy, but for me, it took just that. And I want to pick up my story again. And, you know, I began to, I entered into college and I was looking forward to going to, uh, I was looking forward to going to seminary, like undergrad seminary school and, and learning about Jesus and, and trying to get hold of this whole ministry thing. And, I, you know, for a year, I actually went to Cleveland State uh, my first year out of high school. Didn't want to be there. Um, didn't, didn't care about it. Like it wasn't what I wanted to do. Right. Like for me, Brian wanted to do ministry. And so Brian took it upon himself to not really care about this and, and try to focus on this. And so, you know, I began to, uh, waste basically a year of my life in school. Didn't go to class, didn't do the work, didn't like basically kind of failed out in a way. And, and, and God kind of then like came in and said, Dude, like, it's not about you, and he kind of stripped that away. And then I went off to ministry school, and I thought I had a hold of this whole thing. And then I began to, again, make it all about Brian. Like, even in ministry school, like, trying to, like, learn about Jesus and trying to, I began to, like, say, hey, oh, 
oh, you have student leaders here? I can be one of those. And oh, you, you, oh, you need me to do? Yeah, Brian can do that. And Brian can do better. And Brian can do this. And Brian and Brian and Brian. And Jesus began to start stripping it away. I never realized, man, I'll tell you what. And I'll just be honest with you. I never realized how much I cared about what people thought of me until Jesus started stripping it away. Until Jesus started stripping it away. And the people that I thought cared about me and thought, you know, I was impressing, they began to, you know, move on and go to the wayside. And before I knew it, I was left with just Brian. And God said, okay, now, are you ready? And it took, it finally took me to a point where I was literally, I literally had no idea where I was going. Where God said, I'm going to humble you. I'm going to strip all this away. I'm going to make it not about you anymore because obviously you can't accomplish this on your own. And I'm going to make it about me. And I'll tell you, to this day, man, I still, I still struggle with it. Sometimes Brian wants to make it all about Brian. And Jesus steps in and he says, you know what? It's not about Brian. It's about me. So I'm here to tell you tonight, not anything that I can, I've done or I can say, because listen, I'm just as guilty I'm probably a heck of a lot more so, but it's not about you. It's not about you. I know it's easy to think it is when you get caught up in your world and your sport because you're doing really like awesome club basketball and you're like making straight A's and like all the girls love you and, and you know all this, you're like a guild leader on World of Warcraft or whatever it is that you want to do and you think it's all about you. And I'm here to remind you on behalf of God that it's not, it's not even a little bit about you. And again, it's not anything that Brian says because, again, I, I'm, I'm just as guilty. I can't, I can't do this on my own. And Jesus says it's not about you. It's about me. It took me a long time to figure that out. But listen to these statements. You ready? I got, I got you right here. Because Jesus is strong for me, it's okay for me to be weak. I had a hard time getting a hold of that one because I feel like I, I, I need to be strong. I need to be like the man, you know. And Jesus said, you know, it's okay for you to not be strong because I am. Because Jesus has won for me, it's okay if I lose. Man, I'm competitive. I don't like to lose. I don't like to lose. And Jesus said, you know what, because I've already won, it's okay for you to lose. Because Jesus succeeds for me, I'm okay to fail. I'm okay to fail. Those are hard concepts to wrap your head around, especially if you've grown up in church and you've always heard these things over and over and you have a hard time getting a hold of this thing. Like, listen, it's not about you. It's not. It's not even a little bit. And God says, it's all about me. And there literally is nothing that you need to add to it. One of my favorite books and something that's made a big impact in my life, and you can go check this book out if you want, is this book called Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything. And that concept is, is so true. It literally takes nothing in addition to Jesus or minus anything to Jesus to equal everything that you will ever need and ever want and ever desire. Jesus is it all. He's already accomplished it. He already went to the cross. Jesus came, and I don't know if you know the story or not, if you've ever trusted in him, but Jesus came to the earth about 2,000 years ago, 
And he came on behalf of his father because his father, God, loved us so much that he didn't want us to die and go to hell because that's what we were destined for. Because again, we, by nature, we're children of wrath. We have sin in our life that's disgusting and keeps us from God. And, and, by, and God said, you know what? I love, that you, I love you so much that I don't want that. And so I'm going to send Jesus. And Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He, and he suffered through a crazy life. And he did a lot of cool things. But he also had a lot of hardship and temptation. And less than he did it perfectly. He did it wholly. And uh, he went to the cross. And he was died. like he, he literally died. He got nailed to the cross. Like physically nailed to the cross. And he died on behalf of you and me. So that we have a way back to him. And not only did he die. But then he was buried. And he was raised again. Three days later. So that he could defeat death, defeat sin, and then step in the role and say, listen, you can come back to God. You just have to accept me. That's what he did for you. And that's what he did for me. Because it wasn't about us. It wasn't my story. It's God's story. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Dear God, I just, <laughs> whew, God, I'm so, <sighs> I don't have words. God, it's real, real hard to preach something that is so hard, even f like for me in my daily life. Like, it's so easy for me to make it all about Brian and so hard to admit that it's not about me at all. God, I, 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 don't, I don't know the answer. I've tried to figure it out. And guess what? You, you came in and you said, Brian, there is no answer. I'm the answer. And, and, and I'm going to strip all this away. And, and praise God that you do. And God, that you humble me daily when you know I need it the most. And God, I pray that for these students. God, if there's one person in this room, just one, just one that may not know who you are, may not have really ever heard about this whole Jesus thing, and may not even have known that you came and died on the cross for them. Or maybe they did, and maybe they just never accepted it. God, I pray that tonight they've heard the truth of your scripture that says, listen, stop reading this thing and thinking it's about you. It's not. Jesus says it's about him. And, and God, you've, you've made that declaration clear. From Genesis to Revelation, God, it's the greater story of God from creation to fall to redemption to reconciliation. God, you have gifted all this together. You put it in a, a beautiful salvation package and you've given it to us. So God, if there's one in this room that doesn't know you, God, I pray that you would just prick their heart tonight. That God, that they would, you would stir their heart with such affection right now that they, would, they can't sit in their seat any longer that they really have to find out what it is to love Jesus and what it means to be all about Jesus and not about them. And God, for the rest of us that struggle with this every day, God, we are so tempted to make much of, Jesus, like make much of ourselves 
at Jesus' expense. We, we, we do this constantly, God, and, and I pray, Lord, that you would just convict our hearts, that, God, that you would humble us daily. God, strip, even a middle school student, even in their, their, their classroom, even in their, their hallways, even in, even in their, their school, their, their, their sport, their home life, God, all the things that they're a part of, God, that you would strip it away if that's what it takes to get them to acknowledge that Jesus is the only thing that really makes life worth living and that they really can't do any of this on their own. God, stir affections in our hearts for you. And may we be all about Jesus tonight. If that's you, if, if, you've, if you've never made that commitment tonight, man, I, I, I'm telling you now, don't leave this room without making it all about Jesus tonight. And if it's you that has spent their whole life in church, spent their whole life wondering who this Jesus guy is, and the, the, you come to church and you, you read your Bible, but you don't really know what it says, and you have got come to this place where you just need to make it all about Jesus tonight, don't leave this room without making it all about Jesus, and stop making it about you. Stop making it about you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for our time together. We thank you that, Father, we have an opportunity each week to come and hear the word of the Lord. Come and hear how you, God, are moving and, God, you are, are, are showing us the way. And, Jesus, we pray tonight that, Father, that you would be glorified most among this room. That, God, we wouldn't walk out the door and think, man, it, that was great, but, man, it's still all about me. No, we would make it all about you. We would walk out that door and say, man, it's all about Jesus. And I'm going to go tell my friends that it's all about Jesus. And I'm going to tell my parents that it's all about Jesus. And it's not about me at all. And it's all about Jesus. And it's all about Jesus. And it's all about Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pray all this in your sweet, sweet name. Amen. I love you more than you know, and I pray for you all the time. And I hope and pray that you won't leave this room without making that declaration clear to Jesus that it's not about you and that it's about him. All right? Pray for our New York and Haiti teams as they go this week. Make sure that, that, that you uh, remember them. It's going to be a really, really cool week. And uh, hope you enjoy your spring break. All right? Grace and peace.